everyone, I'm Jim Santos, and this is the International Living Podcast. In this podcast series, we introduce you to a bigger world full of communities that are safe, welcoming, beautiful, and sometimes undiscovered. A better world, too. A friendly, warm, great value world where you can live richer, travel more, invest for profit, and enjoy a better life. So let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the International Living Podcast. Today, we're taking a look at an often overlooked expat destination, Albania. The Republic of Albania is located in the Balkans, with coastal areas on the Adriatic and Ionian seas. It's bordered on the north by Montenegro, Greece to the south, and Kosovo and North Macedonia to the east. It's a small country, just a bit bigger than the state of Massachusetts, but it has a lot to offer, especially in terms of their rather liberal rules for foreign visitors. Here to tell us all about that and more are travel writers Norm and Kathleen Bauer. Norm is the author of the book Nomadic Life for All Ages, and he wrote about his and Kathleen's experiences in Albania for the October 2023 issue of International Living in an article entitled Italy's Coastline, Ireland's Greenery, Portugal's Low Costs. Kathleen, Norm, welcome to the International Living Podcast. Thank you so much, Jim. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. I enjoyed uh, reading your article and thinking about Albania. It's quite an interesting choice. Uh, but there are some things in the article that made it clear that uh, you guys seem to be traveling a lot. So I was wondering if I could get a little uh, background <laughs> on on your lifestyles and what you're doing. I particularly like the phrase slow traveling. Yeah, I guess it depends on how you define a lot because it's really what our life is. Um, Kat and I left the United States in February of 2019 with intention to not return. We got a one-way ticket and we have been on the move ever since. We are now in Sydney, Australia after 24 hours of landing on a cruise. And this is country number 39 or number 40 for us. Someplace in there. And then both of us have traveled about 50 countries altogether with our individually. Just something we love so much, both of us. Yeah. How long do you tend to sp- stay in each of those countries? You know, when we first started, Jim, the plan was to spend enough time in each country to kind of get a feel for it. So because of the Schengen rules with Europe, uh, 90-day limitation on visas, We broke them up into two six-week periods, so we would spend six weeks in one place, six weeks in another within Europe, and then we would leave Europe and go to a non-Schengen country, and that's kind of the way it started for most of the first year, Mm -hmm. and then it changed when we had a URL pass, and we knocked out six countries in about six weeks, and then things kind of morphed, and then COVID came along a little bit later, so some countries have given us the ability to stay a long time, like we stayed in Turkey for about eight or nine months and actually got residency there. And in Albania, which is of course the country that we're gonna be speaking of, they have one of the most most lax um, uh, visa policies. Or generous. Generous, Generous, that's exactly, for Americans because we can stay there for one year. So in here in Australia, we're gonna be here for 11 days. This is really nothing more than a transition to, um, to Southeast Asia where we'll be spending the next six months to nine months or longer. We really don't have a firm plan on that. And that's pretty much our life. We we can plan out maybe three or four months ahead, but as we go along, we meet new people, we learn new things, and we decide where we want to stay longer and and where we want to go next. So it's sort of a a constant journey. Yeah, we have talked to a couple of people on the show that are are doing that kind of roving lifestyle with uh, no fixed base. Uh, So you guys have no 
fixed address that you return to from time to time? We actually sold absolutely everything. And Norm said we plan not to come back to the gaming booth, but I think we weren't 100%. We were just going to leave and go travel and see what happened. But I think now that we've been gone five years, um, we don't really have the intention to come back. We just literally love our life. We love the way that we live. And we just may extend it out to where we're going to spend like three months, three months, three months, or you know, like four different places and just go back and forth at different seasons because we have so many places that we enjoy, especially in the Mediterranean. So like we could stay in Sicily for three months. We could stay in Albania for three months. We could stay in Turkey and Greece. And those are our our sweet spots. We also love Romania. Yeah. At this point in time, because we've been to so many countries, we know which countries we want to return to, which makes it challenging sometimes to go to new places because when you already have something that you love and you want to go back to, it's like, well, do I want to go back to there, which we already know? or whether we want to continue moving on to new uncharted territories. But right now, we're still very much in the exploratory stages. And our time here in Southeast Asia is going to be very telling because it'll determine whether or not there's enough incentive to stay over here for one of those three or four month periods of time. Mm -hmm. We were just in Greece and Turkey ourselves uh, last month, and uh, we're still very much in the exploratory thing. We don't want to hit the same country twice yet. We're still, uh, it's a big world. Yeah, it really is. And like we said, after five years, we've seen an awful lot. This is our sixth continent. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's still like he said, we were Sydney's just a, a, a layover. But yet it's not. I mean, I'm literally was odd when we came in to the port and saw the opera house and, and the skyline. It's it's absolutely a spectacular city. So I think we still enjoy for sure going to the new places. But we also truly have our favorites that we we now know that we just love the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And we've been to Asia briefly. We were in um, Thailand and Vietnam and Cambodia. And and we lo- I love Asia a little bit more maybe than he has. But that's why we're going back to see how much more they have to offer by going to the Philippines and Japan and checking out other areas. So, yeah, the the world is, is big. There's so much <laughs> yeah. to see. Yeah. <laughs> how do you handle uh, lodging? That's Kat's, uh, that's Kat's <laughs> agenda. So the first thing we do is we discuss where we want to go or kind of approximately where we want to go. Mm-hmm. And she's the Airbnb queen of doing research because she's very good <laughs> at it and she has good insight. So like, for instance, when we leave Australia, we'll be going to Bali uh, because it's kind of a gateway to Southeast Asia. And we'd heard about this town called Ubud, which is a place that a lot of people go to. And so that's where she does her research and she reads the reviews and everything. And and then we kind of narrow it down and then we go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a, a firm believer that you you have to be willing to ask as well. What people don't realize in travel, and I think is important, is there may be a set price, but because of the way we travel and we stay for at least a month, I actually will send out a, a little like cover sheet sometimes to Airbnb and say, listen, we're nomadic, we're seniors. We think that your place is really awesome, but the truth is we stay within a budget because of our limitations. Uh, limitations. Right. And so if you would be willing to to um, lower the rate in any way, and they have been so, it's amazing. We've actually had 50% off of so many of the Airbnbs because we're willing to ask. And well, some great. people are shocked. They're shocked when we tell them that, you know, I said, but you know, it just, you don't know unless you ask. So I read all the reviews. Um, I'm very, very conscious of, of the places that we stay in. And we've stayed in some really nice places for some really reasonable prices. Yeah, we've stayed at over 130 different lodgings, just Airbnb, not counting hotels and hostels and everything. And the number of places that we've had that were really bad, 
you can count on you know one hand for sure. Most of them have been really good to great. Yeah, we've had a surprisingly good luck with Airbnb uh, as well so far, but I'm definitely going to have to try that trick of asking them for a reduced rate. Yeah. yeah. And there's also something that someone may not recognize as on Airbnb. There's something where it says filters at the top. And you may see with all the ones that come up at the beginning and they're the expensive ones. But if you go to the filters and you put in, there's a sliding scale and you can put whatever price you want in there. And then the only ones that come up are the ones that are within your price range. Well, let's uh, get to Albania now. What what was it that first uh, drew Albania to your attention? Well, that's an interesting story. So when she and I first left in 2019, our first direction was Spain and Italy because we had both been there before and we liked it. And then we had to leave the European Union. And so we went to Croatia, which was not really a country that was known to us. And while we were there, um, I was invited to go back to the United States for about a six-week period to do some business. And Kat was going to remain. And so she couldn't stay in Croatia because we would have been beyond the 90-day visa period. And so we looked at where in that Balkan Eastern European region would be worth considering and be near the water and be near the water. Right. And so that's when we actually started looking at Albania, which has, you know, shares a similar coastline to Croatia. And we found this town called Sarande and, you know, Albania is a country gym that has horrible PR because a lot of people have misunderstandings about what it is because of the media and movies and television. But the the, the country itself and most of the countries over there are ridiculously safe uh, mm-hmm. but, beautiful. and beautiful. But we had reservations about her going and staying on her own. But we kept being intrigued by Albania because of the one-year visa policy. So finally, uh, last year in 2022, we left Turkey and then we went to Greece and then we finally went to Albania. We had a friend who had been to Albania oh, of course. and that oh. made a huge difference. Yes. One of our dear friends had spent like a month or so there and said Saranda was absolutely gorgeous, really um, inexpensive and a very, very beautiful place to stay. So that's what intrigued us even more. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that uh, visa program. Uh, is that just U.S. citizens that can do this or are they open to everyone? No, it's uh, U.S. citizens only. And I did a lot of digging into the story behind the story. And it was because back in the Balkan War in the early 90s, then President Clinton was very accommodating to the people over there and helped a lot of both of them, Bill and Hillary. And so they revered the, the Clintons. And so as an homage to them, they allowed Americans to stay for one year. So we had heard about this. So we always kind of looked to Albania as being more or less a safety net if ever we were extending or close to extending our 90-day visa which is fairly typical to a lot of countries we always thought of albania as being a good place to go and what's beautiful about it is that you can leave albania for 90 days and then you go back and your one year starts again so there's almost no reason in our mind to get residency in albania although we met a lot of people who did because uh, if you if you have, if you're buying a property there, which many Americans and other foreigners do, then yeah, you want to make sure that you're not going to you know be in jeopardy of being um, forced out. But for Americans to stay for a year, so anyway, that that's the story of Albania. Like I said, aside from that, obviously one of the big factors is us as retired people is the budget, and we don't go to the Stockholms or the Londons or the Parises or the very expensive cosmopolitan areas because we don't want to <laughs> often we, do, we just went to Paris. So we do go, we just don't, we don't hang out there for six weeks at a time. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 
So in Albania, we recognize that you could get a very, very decent place for less than five or six hundred U.S. dollars a month uh, near the water and have everything else be commensurate. And well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to specifically talk about the place that we rented. Is that all right, Jim? Sure. Yeah. This the uh, two bedroom ocean view. Yes. So we lived in California. And so we're very aware of what it costs to rent a place like in Newport Beach. Right. And apartment that we had was a two bedroom, two bath, very upscale, looking across at Corfu with a huge balcony. And it went around the entire panoramic part of Saranda. So it was absolutely stunning. And we paid $500 a month for everything, for yeah. the mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, water, everything. It's it's insane what you can get there. It's it's like um, you're living in luxury for, for nothing. Yeah. And, you know, we can go out to dinner and have a really nice dinner and maybe share a glass of wine or a beer for under $20. For and, both of us. Yeah, for both of us. Mm-hmm. So that's a very, very uh, an enticing place to stay. We had some medical tests done there at one of the local laboratories and had some dental cleaning done. And we found a very charming dentist that is very uh, competent and and actually allowed us to keep some stuck there after we left. And we paid all of you know $18 for a teeth cleaning, which in the United States would be significantly more than that. Right. It's almost hard to want to tell people about this place because you know if once you do, it's going to change. Right. But it is amazing. <laughs> It is amazing to be able to live there. Like he said, it's just a fraction of the cost and you you get to live in a, in a place that's beautiful. And it's not just Saranda either. It's the surrounding areas there. The water is just spectacular. The mountains are amazing. Um, and the people are lovely. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing that we want to talk about is the people there. It's not just for Americans. They are extraordinarily accommodating. And Again, it's a shame that that the country has a, a bad rap when it comes to crimes and gangsters and criminals, and because none of that is really a, a, a pl- appropriate at to all to the tourists. Yeah, and you know, the, for instance, I'll give you a case in point. We went to a restaurant that did not accept credit cards, and mm-hmm. it was the second time we had been there. But I had forgotten that uh, they only took cash, and I didn't have enough cash with me. And he said, "Don't worry, you can bring it back tomorrow." That just doesn't happen in most countries or most cities. Right. And that happened multiple times, actually. Like if I didn't have enough cash at the grocery store, you know, they would just, it, it was just amazing. It was very, trusting. Just, yeah. very, very trusting. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, really surprises people uh, a lot about other countries. Uh, in the U.S., if you read the, uh, like the reports on the internet for traveler safety, it makes uh, it sound we- like you're taking your life in your hands no matter where you go. We don't read those anymore. It, yeah. It's just we say. Yeah. I mean, we have read so many of those that have that have had me uncomfortable when we began to travel. Yes, that's true. It yeah. was there was not different places I was scared to go into based upon what we read, and so we no longer read them because they're just not true. Yeah. It, it's just not true. Yeah, we have not come into a country that we have been scared. It's it's just been amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's a if there's a State Department warning because there's a conflict at the border. You just don't go to that area. Right. But we ran into that in Tunisia, where we were in the northern part of Tunisia. And in the southern part, they had conflicts with with Sudan down there. And up in the northern region, we were treated uh, royally. Yeah. But that can happen anywhere. Like we were in Israel a few months ago. And, and, you know, thank God we're not there now. But, you know, it's not about the safety to tourists because the the people are, are going to hurt you or it's not like that. Yeah, our experience has been that people everywhere are pretty much the same and they're absolutely they care about and their families and you know that's about it 
Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Now the uh, the visa. If I get back to that for a second, I, I was just curious. Um, is that one year? Is that sequential? Or you know, say you you go to Albania, you're there a month, and you decide we're going to pop over to Italy for a month. When you come back, do you have eleven months left, or do you have ten months left? You have eleven months left. It starts from the time that you get there to the time that you leave, and any time you leave, you leave in between, you can certainly do that. And that's another benefit: is a lot of times, um, you know, countries don't want you to leave for a certain period of time if you want to mm -hmm. try to become a resident there. So there's no limitation along those lines. Yeah, it's especially attractive because, uh, as I'm sure you guys know, getting around in Europe is much cheaper than getting to Europe. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes, so if you're in Albania and using that as a base and you can pop over to Greece and to Italy and it's an hour, it's an hour to Greece from where we were. Yeah. I, I had to go to the eye doctor surgeon because the one thing about Albania that I will say yeah. is their infrastructure for the medical is really not good. Mm -hmm. Um at so least not where we not were. Not where we were, yeah. not in Saranda. There may be other areas in Toronto and different areas, but where we were in Saranda um, in the smaller places, the it's it's not. So we would pop over to um, to Greece, which is only about an hour away, or by ferry you can go over to Corfu, which is twenty minutes away. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know when we when we look at the former Soviet bloc countries that were part of Yugoslavia, some countries have advanced much more quickly than others, and Croatia and Romania are probably the two at the top on our list. And when you look at the ones that are kind of dragging behind, unfortunately, Albania is one of those because they didn't even allow private ownership of automobiles until the early 90s. Mm. So the infrastructure for roads, you know, they have good good highways and everything, but a lot of the uh, the smaller roads are not really well well taken care of. So they're they're working on bringing Albania into the 21st century for sure. How about public transportation or a train system? No, no, <laughs> no train system to speak of. Um, buses are the way to get around. And fortunately, there's buses that go pretty much to every major town within the country, which is awesome. Uh, and then you also have the option of using the ferries. It's a coastal town. It's a coastal country. So in Sarandi, where we are, you do have the option of taking a ferry to go to the northern part of the country, but it's really not very practical. It yes, would also have to be um, time sensitive as far as the weather. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. And when it comes to airports, again, the major cities have them. But the area that we stayed in, Sarande, uh, did not have a local airport, but they're doing one. And that is something about Saranda also. It's not necessarily easy to get to. Yeah. You have to come into um, Corfu and come over by ferry, or you have to go to Toronto, and it's about a four or five hour bus ride. Correct. So it's not exactly the easiest place to get to, but it is well worth it. Yeah, I was yeah, going to ask how easy it is to get to Albania in general. Uh, well, to get to get to the country is surprisingly easy because fly. because you have Greece just to the south. And mm -hmm. for instance, we stayed in Athens before we went there, and it was a long nine hour bus ride into Albania. But when you think of when you think of how far other countries are apart from each other, it's really not unreasonable. You know, just a, and and the other advantage is that when you fly, of course, you're limited as far as how much you can carry. Otherwise, you're going to be charged for overweight and everything. Right. But the bus system there is is decent. It's not wonderful, but it's decent for sure. And what's interesting too is what we found as we traveled. You know, in the United States, the bus system is I, I, I'm careful how I say this, but it's looked down upon. It. It's different. You know, everywhere that we travel buses are the, the way to go yes so it's not the same over in um outside the united states when you worry about buses 
Yeah, and the the states are kind of, um, especially for regional buses, long range buses, is, is kind of thought as the uh, uh, the cheap yeah. way of going or the way poor people travel. But if you yeah. actually look and at the prices, it. it's not really that cheap. I exactly, was say, exactly. They are not. They're no. not. In fact, I looked into a Greyhound just to see if it'd be sort of fun to go from one area to the other across the United States. And it's so much more expensive to do Greyhound than it was to fly. Yeah. And right. I'm like, yeah. So it's not for the poor people. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised about that uh, too. Looking at going into uh, New York City to see a play, and I was that's exactly that it was, it was we cheaper coming to fly. From, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were coming into New York City, and we were thinking, you know, we're going to have to wait a day layover because of a, a situation with the planes. And I thought, we'll just take a Greyhound. We'll just go down. We do buses, and it was ridiculous. And I went, that's that's just crazy. Yeah. So. That's the one thing people, uh, again, the people who are listening to the show are people who either are travelers or wish to be travelers or live nomadically and everything. And that's the biggest misunderstanding that people have is they think it's costly. We get yeah. asked continually, how do you afford to do this? Did you win a lottery? Do you this? Do you do that? Did you save a lot of money in retirement? And the, the reality of it is, is that traveling internationally the way we do it and the way that many people do it is less expensive, certainly than living in California and less expensive than living throughout mostly the United States. But again, there's tricks that we've learned over the years, and that's the tricks that we teach other people how to get affordable lodging. How do you, how do you travel from from point A to point B? How mm -hmm. do you do all these things? And you know, we basically live with four backpacks, and everything we own is in them. And we have not we're not attached to stuff because right. stuff is transient. But the stuff our, that we take with us is stuff that we need. Yeah, our priorities changed. You know, it's it's just it depends on what's important to you. And for us, it's seeing new places, meeting new people, finding and understanding new cultures. And and the stuff, like you said, is just not that important. So for us, it doesn't have to be a five-star hotel. We we stay in the Airbnbs, we stay in the hostels, and we have amazing places and we have okay places. And we just take take it one day at a time as we, as we get it. Yeah. And as much as you lose friendships along the way, just because some people who stay living in the United States or where they were, they can't necessarily identify with the way that we live. We meet people like, for instance, in Albania, Kathleen was referencing the gentleman who had stayed there before. His name is Paul. He's from Connecticut. And we have seen Paul in five different countries in six different locations <laughs> over the last two and a half years because we just kind of like travel zigzag across the, you know, the, the Balkan Eastern European area. And he went to stay in Turkey where we were and we we went to we went to Croatia and then we went to Albania. So uh, you you make new friends just with different priorities. Now, you mentioned uh, the medical cost or the medical situation there in Albania was not ideal. Uh, how do yeah. you handle medical cost on the road? Well, this is really interesting too. So um, that's another amazing. I was a nurse in the United States, and so I'm very aware of the medical cost and the exorbitant prices that the U.S. Um, charges but I had no idea the difference outside the United States. So I've had two incidences where I was in the hospital. I had both of them with the paramedics, you know, taking me in, being at the hospital for a few hours. One cost me $104 in Portugal. The other one cost me $249 in Bangkok. Mm. You know, I had an entire medical series of tests. I had in Turkey, I had like an eye exam, an ear exam, a dermatology, uh, complete blood work and a complete um, ultrasound of my stomach, my entire, you know, abdomen. And it was $89. 
we we have the cost of, of medical outside the United States is so cheap that we don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Well, that is kind of hit or miss, though. And we lived in Ecuador for six years. And uh, I had arthroscopic surgery there. My my wife had her gallbladder removed, and you know there was uh-huh. very inexpensive and just wonderful care. People really treated you you nicely. Uh, we right. were getting get a full blood panel workup for like twenty two dollars, and it's it's ready mm-hmm. that afternoon. You know that kind of yeah, thing. But, exactly. But just recently, we were in Prague, and both got very sick. We were diagnosed with COVID nineteen, and there the Paxlovid that they used to treat it was over $2,400 a dose Holy for man. each of us. So now we had trip insurance you know, for just this kind of thing uh, to, to come up. Uh, do you guys carry any kind of uh, trip insurance? or We do not. And that has been a topic of conversations many, many times. So Kat and I are both over 65. So we were on Medicare. Um, and we we always looked at the fact that the reality is is that if something happens on the road, we'll just probably have to take care of it. But mm. we go back and forth on the on the travel insurance thing, and we've looked into it. And I will say, with our insurance, we have emergency. You know, our insurance was through Kaiser, so if there was an accident of any kind, it would be covered through our insurance um, back home for the emergency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, for us too, it has a lot to do with. Our, our belief in, in the universe. And, and here's the thing, you know, we can be out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And if we have a heart attack, there's nothing they could do. Even if we had insurance, right. we were on a train in Egypt and I, I really got my finger stuck in the door and if the finger would have come off, I would have been on that train for four, five hours and there wouldn't have been a thing I could do. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to trust for us in our life and our lifestyle. And we don't necessarily that to say that to everybody else. People have to do according to what they feel strongly about. But for us, this is how we handle our situation. We just trust that if we have to pay for it, we have to pay for it, but we're going to be where we need to be. Agreed. I mentioned during the introduction that you also have a book called Nomadic Life for All Ages. Uh, Did you write that together or is that just one of you? Well, I started a blog the day we left California. So Mm. just a real quick backstory. So I had never traveled internationally till about 2016. Kat had more experience traveling because she did it about uh, 20 years ago with her son. But in 2016, I traveled to Europe for a couple of weeks and I was just blown away at the different lifestyles that people led. And I was really noticing how how easily the younger generation, the millennial generation traveled back and forth between countries without intimidation, without a fear. Meanwhile, I was over there like a deer in the headlights so I decided that I wanted to learn how to travel like the younger millennial generation. So prior to us leaving permanently, um, I wanted to put together a blog that kind of shares. I, I was 63 and she was 64. And um, we got rid of everything that we had. And uh, we just kind of left the road and, and uh, learned how to travel without anything. So in February, we both left and I started a blog and basically outlined everything that we had been through up to this time, including how do you go about purging? How do you say goodbye to your friends and your loved ones and everything? And I kept a blog for quite some time and then I turned that into a book and then I turned it into a sequel. And just recently, uh, I put it all together into Nomadic Life for All Ages and it shares all the different places that we've been, the lessons that we've learned and it uh, it's it really it's a guidebook for people who want to learn how to live on the road, especially if you're seniors. 
You know, another question that I hear all the time when you, you talk about doing a lot of extended traveling is how do you support a lifestyle like that? So this is going to be hard to believe, but we pretty much live on social, our social security. Mm-hmm. We literally monthly have about a budget of about $3,000 a month. And that's pretty much what we stay at. Now this year we have definitely um, splurged this year. We literally did a three month motorcycle um, trip right into going back to the United States to see my kids going over to Hawaii spending about two and a half weeks in Hawaii to catch the cruise and the cruise over here for three weeks to Australia and then from Australia to Asia. So this has been a pretty big year for us. Yeah. That, um, that couple of weeks in Hawaii is going to blow your budget out. <laughs> well, believe it or not, it did not. We were 100% blown away. We found an incredible Airbnb for $65 a night on the big mm. Island. Um, he had a time, she has a timeshare in um, Maui so, you know, we were very, very fortunate. Again, we have learned and we, I take my time and we find places, but we were even surprised that the prices in Hawaii were not any more expensive than they were in the United States. The United States is hugely expensive when we go back, mm-hmm. but I think we only dug into our savings for about $1,500. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing what you can live on. And I'm telling you, we live a very comfortable life. We do not suffer whatsoever. Yeah. So it just it's how and what you choose to spend your money on. Yeah. What we don't do is we don't do a lot of the quote unquote tourist things. Like when we go to a new place where they have guided tours and everything, we don't necessarily do that because if we know we're going to be living there for uh, for several weeks to several months, we find our then way. we'll then we'll find our own way. We'll catch a bus or we'll catch you know meet meet some friends along the way and do something with them. So you know. Most people think that you have to live like a tourist, and that's a lot different than living like a traveler. Right. So you go on, you know, you go on a vacation for fourteen days, everybody, or ten days, or whatever it is. You want to go and see everything that you can see, and, and push that into one vacation, and that becomes quite pricey. Yeah. But we don't do that, so it, it doesn't become expensive. And I think the thing that people don't realize either is we plan our trips in one direction, and since we don't like the cold, we plan our trips towards warmer weather all the time. Mm-hmm. So we're only one-way trips. And what we do with that, that, I also take care of that as well. I go on to Google Flights and you can go out almost a year on Google Flights and they will put all the prices in. And here's an example. We were in Athens or we were going to Athens and I knew that we wanted to go from Athens to Singapore. So I started looking about three months ahead and most of the prices from Athens to Singapore ranged around $1,100 to $1,200 a flight. For but I found... One Yes, one way. I found a flight for $280 stuck in the middle of that. And it just happened to be New Year's Eve. So you grab the cheap flight and then we work our trip around the flight. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we save. We do a lot of it's there's some work involved. We do some our homework, but it's it's well worth it because we can do and see so much for so little. Yes. The logistics sometimes can be a little bit challenging. Like when we went to uh, Israel, Jordan, and Egypt, we were trying to figure out which place do you go first, which place do you go second, how do you go there and everything. And so there's, as she said, there's a lot of work involved sometimes uh, when you're trying to, you know, make everything flow. It's like sometimes we'll have to sit for two or three days to actually put an actual plan together and figure out what's the most economical, what's the most beneficial for us to see at this time. And, and it all works out, but it's not you know, it's funny when we say it takes work, it's, it's, it, but it does, you have to really be diligent about what you're doing and make an effort, um, to keep our costs down, but that's what we do. And of course you have to be ready to roll with any uh, changes that happen to come up. 
<laughs> yes, you do. But we've been we've been very we've, lucky. We've been very fortunate. Yeah, flexibility and patience are two are paramount to anyone who lives a life like this because things don't always work out as planned, as you, you just found out. I wrote a little book in the first year that we started going called "Let Go, Flow, and Choose to Be Happy," and I've done nothing with that book except I wrote it for myself. I think because it was such an incredible transition of learning to have to let go of your preconceived ideas about how things should be, what you think they're going to be, you know, am I going to have a good shower? Am I going to have a great bed? You know, and am I going to sit in an airport for an hour or a day? You know, you have to let go of, of the things that you expect and be able to go with the flow. Yeah. On our recent trip in Greece, we were going to go from Athens to Mykonos for a few days. And the day our ferry was supposed to leave, they decided to call a general strike for all ferry workers. Exactly. Yep. But it was, exactly. well, I guess we have to hang around Athens for a couple more days. You know, really, yep. yeah. <laughs> really was not that big of a deal. And it, and I have to say for us, it's not a big deal because we, this is our life, but people who are on a vacation and they go to that vacation and then they get a strike, that's really hard. Yes. Or they get or rain, rain for the whole week. That's really hard. But in our lifestyle, traveling the way we do and talking to other people who want to travel this way, it's it's not that hard. You just it's another day. You just take it and move on. <laughs> well, do you think your travels are going to take you back to Albania at some point? Oh, oh yeah. Yes. For oh, sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long were you there, by the way? We got there in November of 2021 and we ended up leaving the very tail end of may the following year so we were there about uh about eight or nine months so you were there for the winter yes. we were there for the winter and you know so here's something that's important to us as she said we are we are cold weather freaks we Wimps. like <laughs> we do not like cold weather anything below and 50. It, you know i lived in southern california for 40 years and what i found that the weather was very very similar <clears throat> it got the high 30s never freezing at night. At, at, at night. Yeah. Uh, during the day, we would sometimes have some rain, but we had some beautiful, you know, 50 degrees, 60 degree temperatures during the winter as well. And uh, the, the weather was was lovely. And then for what I, we understand, again, we know, we know the town of Sarande, because that's where we were. And we understand that they have some of the best weather in the entire country, because so much of the weather pattern is influenced by the island of Corfu. Mm -hmm. A lot of the winds that would normally come in from the from the east are blocked by Corfu. So it's not quite as open and exposed as other coastal cities in the country. So it could be cold other places, but where we were, it was lovely. Yeah. Well, you really paint an interesting picture of Albania. And uh unfortunate consequence of this podcast is I keep hearing about new places that my wife and I need to go to. <laughs> that is the challenge. We hear that all the time ourselves. It's like, oh, wait a minute, maybe we should go here. And, you know, we were lucky. We did not get to explore all of the country, but we did rent a car mm -hmm. and we took it along the coast. And I specifically want to recommend this to anyone who wants to visit the I country. Was say that. That's awesome. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. Yeah. So there's a coastal road that takes you through a mountain pass that is one of the most magnificent, picturesque mountain passes you'd ever want to see. And Kat, who's not a fan of windy roads, even she loved it. Yeah, I was scared. So that goes from the south end of, of Albania, from um, Sarande, all the way up to the town of Bulor, which is another town that we definitely plan to go back to because it's larger in population, which means it has a much better infrastructure. It's got medical facilities. It's got theaters. It's got malls. And it's also flat. And it's also Whereas, flat. by the way, we didn't say this, Saranda 
is built on a hill. So everywhere you walk is hills. Oh, always uphill too, right? Always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a town we want to explore. And then the capital city, which is Tirana, is a country on, is it's a city on the move. They are pouring massive amounts of money into Tirana, trying to make it as very as, trendy, very, very trendy. Upscale, yeah. yeah. And we have some friends, we have several friends who've actually stayed there for long periods of time. And they truly enjoyed it because you have a little bit of the cosmopolitan feel with activities and everything, but yet it's still relatively affordable. And it's still you have the culture. Yeah. Well, we've been chatting with Norm and Kathleen Bauer about the interesting destination of Albania and the travel-based lifestyle in general. Remember, you can find the article, Italy's Coastline, Ireland's Greenery, and Portugal's Low Cost, in the October 2023 issue of International Living. And you can read more about Norm and Kathleen's lifestyle in the book, Nomadic Life for All Ages. Norm, Kathleen, thanks for taking the time to speak with me today on the International Living Podcast, and I wish you both happy travels. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jim. It's been an honor. The International Living Podcast is a production of International Living. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. If you have an idea for an episode or a question you'd like us to answer, email us at mailbag at internationalliving.com. And don't forget to put podcast in the subject line of your email. That's mailbag at internationalliving.com. We created the International Living Podcast to help showcase the ideas we explore in the magazine and our other publications each month, and to grow our community of travel lovers, expats, and experts who believe as we do, that the world is full of opportunity to create a more interesting, more international life. You don't have to be rich and famous to do that, you just need to know the secrets. And that's what we bring you at International Living. If you haven't become a member yet, you can do it today with a special discount offer for podcast listeners. You'll receive our monthly magazine, plus a bundle of special extras. You'll find the link in our show notes, or you can go to intliving.com slash podcast. That's intliving.com slash podcast. Next week, we'll learn how you can dance your way to better health in the highlands of Mexico. And until then, this is Jim Santos for International Living reminding you, there's a bigger, better world out there just waiting for you. Mm-hmm.